Uh, as we get into our, our one of our last uh, series contributions, I should say, or messages, uh, we've been in a series called Battlegrounds, and it's one of those things that we talked about as a, a preaching staff is what do we face in life? What are some things that people are like, yeah, I need some help with this, I need some guidance, I need some instruction, because I'm dealing with some things. Uh, but for, before I do that, I want to talk to you about a few scenarios, and I want you to think about your reaction, maybe when this has happened to you. Your parking spot was stolen from you. You ever had that happen? Like you, you got your blinker on, you're like waiting for somebody to back out and you start to go and somebody else cuts in front of you. I hope that did not happen in church because that's illegal here. Uh, you know, you gotta be nice to your family. You ever had that happen to you? Like somebody took your spot? I mean, how does that make you feel? Another scenario, others get a raise or a bonus, but not you. How's that make you feel? Someone else gets the promotion that you wanted and you had seniority, but you didn't get it. Somebody else married that guy that you wanted to marry and you didn't get him. And now you're probably thankful because you realize how it turns out. You ever, you ever see how that happens, all right? Y'all have Facebook, you know. You're like, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus, that that didn't work, all right? I, I, she's suffering and it's not me. All right, let's move on. Ladies, maybe another lady gets a new bag or a new dress or something that you like and you see it and you didn't get one and you see it and you're like, wow, I kind of like that, but I don't have one. Men, ladies, you hunt too, but in the season, there's somebody else got a big buck or a big elk, but you didn't. And so how do these make you feel? How do these scenarios, and we can make up a lot of them, but how do these actually make you feel inside? Especially the parking one. There's a common phrase that kids use, especially siblings, and they say this when they don't feel something isn't fair. What do they say? Say it with me. So just, just humor me. Say, it's not fair. Who, what, who, who decides what's fair anyway, right? But we have this mentality of it's not fair, and we've all said this or at least displayed this in our minds or out loud. You took my spot. It's public parking, all right, is your name on that? Now, some of y'all are sitting in different chairs tonight. Yeah, Eric and DeAndre, you guys mess me up because they're always over there and they're sitting there now. But I'm, I was kind of wondering, did, did Bob and Jennifer take your spot? And Because they're normally here. Guys, I pay attention. Like, Brandon and Becky are my consistent. Like, you, you thank you for being consistent in my life. Uh, but, but some of y'all, if, if I don't look at you, I think you didn't show up to church. And you're like, well, no, we were. We were just sitting a couple rows back. Don't do that to old people like me. It's like, we have our system, right? It's like putting a wrench where it shouldn't be. It just, it doesn't work. Uh, but but I, I don't know if there's tension going on here, but y'all sitting, you know, you're in different places. And you mess me up, okay? Because I'm going to have a hard time preaching now because... You know, I might call you Eric, and I might call you Bob, which would be bad, because you're a woman. Uh, but that's where he sits. <laughs> but we go through these things in life, and, and we, we will say, hey, that's not fair. It's not fair. And so today, we are going to talk about entitlement, all right? We've, we've all had this little entitlement mentality, and so let me get into the heart of my beginning here. We, again, have all said this, or at least displayed it in our minds. You took my place, but it's public parking. And I, the question I have is, what's my problem? Have you ever ask yourself, like, why does this bug me? Why, why is it that, you know, I, I have the, if you ever go to the store and I'm in line, don't follow me. Because I'm the guy that goes to the shortest line and I, I'm, I calculate. 
I'm not impatient. I'm a good time manager. That's why traffic bothers me. Uh, and I will look at the line and I will watch like an algorithm. See, I invented algorithm for computers. And I'm going, that line is probably going to be faster because that guy only has five items in his cart. And this one has 16 items. And so I'm calculating. Anybody else weird like me? Like you're just calculating. And, and the shortest line is almost always the longest one. Because I will get there and they're either going to change cashiers or they run out of tape. And I'm like, ah, and then I'm, and then I'm competitive and I'm watching the person that got in line in the line that I was thinking about getting into. They're already out the door at Costco and they're driving off and I'm still in line. And I'm just like, this is not fair. This is not fair. Like it's not fair. What is it in us that have this little selfishness thing? And what is my problem? Well, the problem really is sin because sin is selfish. There is no sin that's committed. That's not selfish. Sin is always about me. It's always about what I want. All right, so we have to deal with that. All of us have the seed of selfishness in us that we have to deal with at one level or another, and we will fight it to the day we die. What I know about the battleground things that we've been talking about, they're not things that we can kill. We've had to learn how to control them again. And if the selfish seed is allowed to take root and grow, it becomes a tree of entitlement. So the title, again, of today's message is Taming the Entitlement Mentality. We can't kill it. We have to tame it. If you watch Lord of the Rings, there's a, there's a, a chapter called The Taming of Smeagol. All right, I, was, I was seeing if there were any of them out there and that, that watched that, The Taming of Smeagol. Smeagol is the character. He's like a little bipolary. Um, and again, I don't get offended. I said that one time in church, and man, I, had, I got raked over the coals. You give like 16 people got saved, and they're like, you said that word. And I was like, what did I do? I'm sorry. I, told, I said they were spiritually bipolar. Like they serve God one day and don't serve God the other day. And it, you know you can't win as a pastor sometimes. It's like no matter what you say, you're going to get in trouble. And what I have discovered in 32 years is just say it anyway, because someone's going to get mad anyway. It don't matter, all right? And, and, and so, you know, Smeagol, part of him wants to do good. Part of him wants to, to, to do bad. And there's this battle that goes on in his mind, if you know anything of Lord of the Rings. Um, and, and that's, again, the thing. We have to tame it. You can't change it. So you have to tame it. Now, we're going to define what entitlement really is. There's actually two definitions. Number A. <laughs> number A. A is a letter, just so you know. Uh, all right. <laughs> I would never make it in the public school system. Actually, today I probably could say it. it's a number and it'd be fine. Um, don't you tell me what it is. All right, let's get into this. A is a right to benefits specified especially by law or contract. In other words, you work your job, you're entitled to a paycheck. Okay. You do something, you're entitled to this because there's an agreement, there's a contract with that. B, this belief is that one is deserving of or entitled to certain privileges, and I would add to, and not having to work for it. Like, that's what we're discussing. So A is the good one. A is, no, I'm entitled to a paycheck because I did the work. B is like, I deserve it, and I shouldn't have to work for it. And that is the thing that is prevalent in our society today, is we all want something for nothing. I say we all, human nature, wants something for nothing. How do we tame this? How do we get over this? You see, dealing with entitlement starts with honesty, okay? Because it lives in me. I can't keep it at bay, so I, I'm sorry, I can't kill it, so I have to keep it at bay. Here's a little story. I was bringing a group of Royal Rangers back years ago um, out of McCall, and we had a ranger camp up there. We're coming back. We were getting down into Eagle, and we saw smoke up ahead, and as I'm driving, it's closer, and it's a cement truck, and it's, it's on fire. 
And we all kind of like fire, right? Everybody sees smoke, what do we do? We tend to look. And, and so I drive by it, and the driver's out there. He's got this little weenie uh, fire extinguisher that belongs in like a pop-up camper, right? Because I have one, little tiny thing. And he had already used it. And he was standing on, on the, in the grass just talking as, his, as, as the middle of the cement truck was on fire. And he's just talking to his buddy. And I'm like, dude, what, like, what are you doing? He's like, what else can I do? I said, is there tools in there? He's like, well, yeah. I said, well, let's get the tools out of it. Because my, my dad owned a logging company. We have equipment. It's like you save what you can. Okay? The cab was on a fire. It was the middle where the cement thing is. And uh, it was oil burning. And so anyway, I'm chucking tools out. I'm just taking charge. Okay? I may not be large, but I take charge. And, and that's what I did. I was like throwing, because I'm thinking about the owner here. And so I went and grabbed my, got my fire extinguisher which was a little bit bigger than a camper out of my pickup. And, and I start shooting the flames, just And I know that with my little fire extinguisher, I, I have a limitation of how much I can use. But, but I thought if I can just keep it at bay, if I can keep it knocked down, the owner of this cement truck is not going to have to buy a whole new one because you're like, well, it has insurance, but they're still a deductible, okay? I'm thinking about this, this, this keep it at bay. So it'd, it'd flare up, I'd knock it down, it'd flare up, I'd knock it down. Couldn't put it out. But I kept it knocked down until the fire truck got there. And I'm sure the fire guys were really mad at me because firemen love fire. And they like big fire. They don't like little fire. I did not get a pat on the back of them guys. You know, man, just go, way to, way to keep this thing knocked down. They were like, you little jerk. You civilian. We wanted it engulfed in flames because if you're a firefighter, you know one. You're a pyro and they're a pyro. You know of what I speak. I'm telling you the truth. Firemen, they, they like fire. They do like to put fire out, but there's something about fire that, that they like. Am I not correct? You know I'm right. Okay, there's some pyro to every fire person. Can I even say fireman these days without offending somebody? We'll talk about offense some other time. Um, oh, wait, we did two weeks ago. You should get over it. Okay, I couldn't kill it. But I could keep it at bay until it was dealt with, all right? And in our lives, when we have this entitled mentality or this selfishness, we can't kill it, but we need to keep it at bay, okay? We need to keep it knocked down from creating further destruction. Now, all of us have basic human tendencies. We all do. We all have these tendencies as humans, okay? Stereotypical humans, we have these tendencies just like a cat has tendencies. A cat, if it's a good cat or a decent cat, a cat still is attracted to shiny things. Even mountain lions are attracted to shiny things. I've heard that you can put a CD, if you guys all know what those are. <laughs> like, what? What's that? It's a round disc. It's shiny. Uh, right after tape cassettes, and that was before eight tracks. And then before that, there was something else. So what was it? Um, I'm just seeing who's older than me. That's why I'm asking the question. All right. And, and they're shiny. And, and even mountain lions will go towards something that's shiny. I was watching my cat yesterday in the garage. It was chasing a, a, a spider and was just patting it, just flicking it, flicking it, flicking it. And finally, I'm like, man, if you're not going to kill it, right, quit playing with your food. And I stepped on the, on the spider and the cat looks at me like, that was my toy. Like, seriously, it looks at me like, what, what did you just do? And like, I squished it, okay, because it wasn't going to kill it. We have basic tendencies, and I will tell you this about bad tendencies. If bad tendencies aren't kept in check, they will soon take over. They really will. All right, let's get into the Bible story. Jesus addresses this tendency in Matthew chapter 20, 1 through 16. Um, and again, my, my version's a little bit different than what's going to be on the screen. I told you a few weeks ago that, that, that my version, I, we, I think you have to buy it or something, and I'm all about frugal, so I'm going to go with the cheap version. You will be less spiritual, not as close to Jesus as I am reading my, my Bible. But, uh, so the wording may be a tiny different, but the meaning is the same. And here's what it says. For, Jesus is telling the story. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner 
who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this is a 12-hour work day. The day starts at 6 a.m. A denarius was a day's wage. It wasn't, they didn't have like a lot of different pay skills. It was like, you get this, we'll just say 200 bucks. You get 200 bucks for a 12-hour day to work in my vineyard, and they agreed to do this. So they went and they worked in the vineyard. About the third hour, so let's say 9 a.m., he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour, which would have been noon, and the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., and did the same thing. About the 11th hour, five o'clock, okay, an hour before quitting time, he goes out and he found still others standing around. And he asked them, why are you standing, or why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. Now, they were standing there. They were waiting. They were making themselves available. And their reasoning was, we want a job. We just can't find somebody to employ us. Very similar to today's society. There's just no jobs available. There's all kinds of people looking for work. Yeah. Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, will you also go work in my vineyard? What time was it? It's five o'clock, right before quitting time, right? You got an hour to work. When evening came, six o'clock bell goes off. The owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and then going on to the first. So the people that were working, you know, five o'clock, they come in and they, <laughs> you know how much they got paid? It says they each received a denarius. They got 200 bucks. Now, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Hey, these guys who were hired last only worked an hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do that? Or to do, I'm sorry, do I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Everybody say, that's not fair. That's say, not fair. say, that's not fair, right? Because you would have that same mentality. There's not many in here who would have the same, we'd be like, whoa, they only worked an hour, they got 200 bucks. Man, I'm, I'm probably worth at least six or 700, which seems to be the thought of the day, right, uh, in, in our society. And, and we would be, something in us would be like, that's not fair. Like, that's not fair. Even though, yeah, I know I agreed to work for $200, but the guy that only worked for an hour gets 200 bucks. Sounds like socialism. <laughs> All right, it just, that doesn't work. It doesn't motivate you. And, and so these guys are like, that's not fair. That's not fair. You know what the problem was? The problem was verse 10. Key phrase, they expected more. They expected more. They knew what they were supposed to get, but once they, when the person that works an hour got the same amount, they're like, oh, we're gonna get paid more, and they did it. And that's where, what, what happened. They were entitled. They felt like I, should des I, I deserve more because I worked a lot more than they did. And then the owner has to kind of put them in, 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 in place. And here's the whole reason for the parable. The whole reason here is Jesus is saying, whether you have served God your entire life and you die and get heaven, you can serve God for three minutes and die and go to heaven. Amen. 
Isn't that beautiful? Like that is the gospel. You don't have to serve God your entire life to go to heaven. You just need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you have not done that, Okay, you need to do that to get to heaven. There's two destinations, guys. It's heaven and there's hell. The only way to heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the only way. Amen. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. And I'm really glad because then who, 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 says, who's, who says who is good enough? It's God. Good enough means perfect and none of us can be perfect. I'm glad that all we have to do is ask and confess our sins and Jesus saves us with that, all right? They expected more. And let's talk about some things they're going on in our world today. Uh, let's talk about fast food. Who, who, who here maybe worked fast food when you were in high school? Like summer job, a couple of you. I worked in the woods. I wish I could have worked in fast food, all right? I worked in the woods. We logged all summer long, five hour, or 10 hour days, uh, five days a week. We could not wait for school to start, like me and my brothers. It was like, we could sleep until seven. Like it's gonna be great. And, and so we worked summer jobs. Who had summer jobs? Most people had summer jobs. All right, who did, who did just travel baseball your whole summer and your parents paid for all of it? Yeah, I was just wondering, okay, it got really quiet there. If you're online, the crowd just, I just killed the crowd. There's certain things that you don't say. All right, there's nothing wrong with travel teams, but I want to, I want to show you what it can actually do if we don't allow our kids or force our kids at times to work. It could create something that's not healthy, Okay. Now, let me tell you something about minimum wage. Was a, there's a minimum wage. Minimum wage wasn't designed to feed an entire family. Okay? Summer jobs, let me just tell you, they were designed to, to teach you how to work, okay? to get you some money to pay for stuff that you need to pay for so you could go back to school. Now, I'm not talking about management in those. I'm talking about you're actually just the server, you're cleaning tables. Those teach you work ethic. Right? There, there's a minimum wage for a reason. It's, not, it's made to be a kind of a temporary job because if you're making seven, eight bucks an hour, okay, your, your sites will be on 15. Well, now we're you know, paying 15, 16, 17 for Taco Bell or whatever it is, and your sites can be higher. So, so it's kind of relevant to the current day, but those jobs were designed to get you through the summer. When we moved here 25 years ago, Arctic Circle was built about a year later. Chuck was a friend of ours. We would, we, when our church was littler, we would go to, uh, Sunday nights after church to, remember Sunday night service? It wasn't life group, it was church, right? And, and, and so we would go to Arctic Circle and he loved it there. He was born again. And he would tell me, he said, I got, I got stacks of kids lined up begging me for a job. Begging me for, he had to go to a bunch of part-time, he said, because I have so many students that want to work, I just don't have enough positions. So I'm having, it's, it's like today, I'm the same, again, same thing, right? No, and he, he said, that these kids want to work, and, and I'm having them to go part-time, and I love that. You have teenagers that are begging for work. They're begging, can, I, can you please give me a job at Arctic Circle? And that was, that was a beautiful thing. Today, it's not so much like that. Now we're begging people to work so we can actually eat, right? Something, something's happened. What changed? Well, we're going to talk about this, all right? I'm going to tell you what I think about it. I may not be right, but I probably am, all right? Let me tell you first about my cat. I have a cat. You ever see my cat? This little Siamese cat. I post pictures of my cat. Who has not seen my cat? If you've not seen my cat, I will pick it up off the road and I will post it and say, look at what I found on the road. <laughs> Y'all know that I'm looking for stuff, right? I have this cat. And this cat had a problem. This cat had a problem. And the problem was called a kitten. That was the problem. My cat wasn't the problem. She produced a problem. And so this cat, because of where we live around the country, I have a cat that's a hunter. She hunts gophers and mice, and that's the reason I have her. I don't have her as a garage princess just because. 
And so she has this litter of kittens and we gave some away, but I had one cat left over and we're like, we should try to keep this cat. And so Alice, would, that's her name, Alice would go out and she'd hunt, she'd bring back a mouse and she would show her little offspring, this is what you do. This is what you do as a cat. This is the reason we exist. This is the reason that I get fed is we hunt. And the little cat would play with it and, and be like, yeah, whatever. And that cat grew up a little bit and, and it, would, it wouldn't go outside. It wanted to stay in the garage because I have garage cats. Well, I was feeding it, giving it water. And it would, it, what it considered adventure, it would go to the door of the garage and go, that's nice, and just walk out. Like, it didn't even want to go off the, off the, off the pavement or the, 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 yeah, the, the, the garage floor. It didn't want to. It didn't like the dirt. And I'm looking at the cat going, cat, you were not here for me just to feed you. You exist to hunt. And if you don't hunt, things are going to happen. And so... It got drastic enough that I realized that as long as I keep feeding this cat, it's not going to do what it was created to do. And we had a vole problem. Voles are little mice, and they were digging holes in our, our ball fields. And so I said, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to make a church cat, and that cat is going to be forced to hunt. So I bring this cat to the church, and I bring food, and I bring water. And it's going to be the cat. It's going to be my church cat. It's going to kill the mice. It's going to be a win-win. It's going to learn to work. It's going to get rid of our, our mouse problem out in the ball fields, and everything's going to be good. And the cat, it, it lasted about a day, about a day, and then it disappeared. And I know what happened. I know what happened. One of y'all, <laughs> one of y'all in a subdivision close to the church, you had this thing show up on your doorstep one day, and, uh, and it started talking trash about me. <laughs> That pastor doesn't feed me, right? I'm a, I, I need, and that's what it did. And you brought it in, and you have no idea that you have created an entitled cat, right? And it's totally mooching off of you now as we speak. And every day it gets up and it laughs, and it's like, I have got this one pulled over on these people, right? What was intended to produce is not producing. It's just okay with just hanging out, because as long as you feed the cat, it's not going to do what it was made to do. And that is to hunt, all right? And so we have done this in our society because we keep feeding and we keep taking care of. And when that happens, we don't produce workers, okay? So expectations. Our expectations aren't meant, we tend to complain. Again, our human nature, I call it Eve syndrome. What is Eve syndrome? Eve syndrome, ladies, please don't get offended. First crowd did not get offended. I need you to be as mature as the first crowd. Will you raise your right hand and say, I will not be offended. If you're online, there is not one woman that has her hand raised saying that I won't because they don't know what I'm going to say next. But all right, this is a human nature thing, but because it's a biblical story, I'm not putting your name in this. It's a biblical story of what Eve, what happened to Eve. I wrote here, perfection wasn't good enough. God made a perfect environment. And I need you to listen to me without like being offended, thinking I'm bashing on women. I'm not doing that, all right? I, got, I love women. And, and, and here's what took place. God made a perfect environment. Perfect. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. It was perfect. She gave him, or God gave her the perfect man. And he was perfect. Every way, he was perfect. No sin. He wasn't, he didn't have criticism. I'm just going to park there just for a moment. I've heard that I struggle with that, uh, being critical or criticism. How many of y'all like my criticism? Just give me a big amen. 
It's like four. Everybody online did. Uh, they like it because they don't have to live with it. Usually you can like what you don't have to live with. But it was a perfect environment. And what happened? What happened? Perfect environment, perfect house, perfect location, perfect God, perfect husband. And what, hap- what happened? Okay. She saw the one thing she wasn't supposed to have. And it was 50% off. It was like, I, that, I need that. I need that. And then you got the snake who's going, no, you should, you should eat this. And she gets deceived. She gets deceived. And Adam didn't do his job. It says that he was with her. That Adam should have been fighting the snake, not just standing by. Right? Adam was probably, if I know him, she was perfect too. Adam was probably just observing Eve. He was probably like, Wow. She's beautiful. And, and, and he got distracted with her beauty and he failed to act the way he did. I wrote here, this is, I'm just joking, okay? I need you to say that. Stan's just joking. Say it. Stan's just joking. I wrote down here, this is not biblical, but this is my thought. It's probably twisted. I may go to hell for it. But I wrote here that even God didn't know what would make Eve happy. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> I gave you perfection. What else do you want? Like, I, I, okay. I am in a metal building. This is not God's character. Don't, I'm not being disrespectful. Just, I was just thinking God gave you perfect and she had to have that one more thing. And, and we had to have that one more thing. Guys, we had our faults too. Eve was deceived. Adam made a choice. That was the bad part on Adam. He actually chose to sin. Eve was deceived. She didn't know what sin was. She didn't know what consequences were. So we have to give Eve a break because I've heard people bash on her. We have to give her a break. She didn't know what consequences were. She didn't know cause and effect. So she had no previous experience of, of what a, a sin was because she was sinless at that point. So we, got, we can't be judgmental on her. She, again, she didn't know. The, we know fire is hot because we've seen burns. She didn't know what a burn was. But they discovered the hard way what sin did. And again, that's why Jesus came. You see, this cat, cat food is easier than hunting, but it's not near as fulfilling, okay? Here's what I know. What starts as generosity can become an expectation. What starts as generosity can become an expectation. Let me, let me say it. Your kids need to work. Your kids need to struggle. They need chores, If you don't give them responsibilities, you will create little monsters if you do everything for them. And little monsters turn into big monsters. Ladies, if you're looking for a husband and his mom does everything for him, when you get married, what is he going to expect you to do? Everything for him. Guys, if you're interested in a woman, you need to see kind of what the home life is. If mom and dad have done everything for her and buy her everything that she wants, marriage doesn't change that. She's going to look at you and be like, okay, sugar daddy, this is what I want, right? And so we have to look at how people were raised. And again, it doesn't mean it disqualifies, but it is something that you have to deal with. If everybody's done everything for us, we're not going to learn how to do things, right? We have to train our kids how to be good husbands, how to be good wives. But we can actually create this entitlement mentality by giving people things they should be earning. And we will come back to that in a few moments, all right? I believe this is what COVID did, COVID money given to individuals, okay? And thank you for paying taxes so that they could give it away. But they also did, they printed a bunch of money, trillions of dollars, And we are reaping the effect of that today. It's called inflation because when you flood things with money, the value of things, okay, the cost of things go up. 
So it, it creates this problem. Now, COVID money was given okay, to help keep the economy going. It wasn't all a bad thing. The problem was is it kept get, getting given. That was the problem, okay? It, again, it helped businesses make it through. It, that was the design. But when you start giving people a lot of money and more than they were making, why should they go back to work? Why should they go back to work? You, may, you all may not like what I'm saying, okay? But I think most of you would agree with me, right? Again, it helped some businesses. It served its purpose to a point, but it also did damage to our economy and our mentality. It changed the culture of our work, it changed. And if you don't believe me, just look at all the help wanted signs. You're like, where are the workers? Where are the workers? Where, where are the teenagers working, you know, fast food jobs or, or these jobs? Where, where are they? Let me tell you, this might be tough, but if you're paying for everything they need, why would they work? As parents, we have to say, hey, if you want this, okay, there's, there's got to be a job. And again, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, if you grew up in a home that required you to work, you probably have less, a less entitled attitude to work with because work ethic tends to keep entitlement at bay. Work ethic is necessary. Work ethic is important. So how do we tame it? How, let's get into the nuts and bolts of how to deal with this. Thing. How do we tame entitlement? The Apostle Paul wrote something in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Here's what he said. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I put childish ways behind me. When I matured, when I grew up, I had to change my way of thinking. I can no longer think like a child. Why? Because a child doesn't think right. If you let your child plan your week and the meals and you give them the debit card and send them to Winco, do you think they're going to go to the healthy section? Most of the time, they will not. They will buy sugar. Am I right? That's what kids do, right? Now, there's the anomaly. The kid, some kids, they, they like celery. I like celery with lots of peanut butter. <laughs> I don't like it by itself, right? It's got to have sugar in it. What did he do? He said, when I, when I grew up, I had to change. When I grew up, I had to think differently than I did before. So there's four things we're going to go through on a personal level. This is dealing with me. Right? I got to deal with me first. Um, four things. And then we'll, we'll talk about how to deal with others. Number one. We've got to recognize that it lives in me. I have to be honest. Like entitlement lives in me. There is a seed of selfishness that lives in me, and I've got to deal with it. You can't fix what you won't confess. A psychologist John Townsend said that you can't fix what you won't confess. I'm adding to that, and I'm going to say that you won't fight an enemy that you deny exists. Like if you deny it, you're like, well, I'm not entitled. I'm not entitled. I'm entitled. Okay, if you deny that, then you're not going to fight it. Number two is what I call the NOMA mentality. I made an acronym, and there's a gal in our church, and her name is NOMA, so I did, hopefully there was no offense here. All right. The NOMA mentality is this, is nobody owes me anything. I actually said nobody owes me anything, and I thought oh, I'll make an acronym out of it. Nobody owes me anything. We're not talking about paychecks. We're not talking about something that you work to earn. We are talking about B. Like, I should get it just because I'm cute, just because I deserve it. So listen for this statement in life. You will hear the I deserve statement quite often or the you deserve. Most commercials say that. Well, you deserve this. You deserve that. You deserve this. I, I, I watched last night the baseball game and, and there was a little gecko, the Geico gecko, a messenger of Satan. He was talking to a, a biker in the commercial and there's this tough biker and the gecko is on his bike and he's saying, you deserve. He's doing like a Jedi mind trick. He's like, you deserve to pay less for your insurance. Have you seen this one? 
You deserve, you deserve to pay less for your insurance. Pretty soon the biker says, I deserve to pay less for my insurance. He was like listening to this little devil speaking something about deserving. Now, how, how about I would like to pay less for my insurance, but when you start saying, I deserve, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, here's what I know. I deserve hell, but I got heaven. That's how I live. I, I, it's like, I, I, got, I got deserve hell, but I got heaven, all right? It appeals to the fleshly nature when you say, I deserve. So I want you to listen for that on the television. Listen to people say that. Like, watch, watch billboards. Okay, see these things that just talk about you. Well, God did not make you to please you. God made you to help other people in life. That's why we exist. Your gift is not made for you. Your gift is made to help other people. That's, that's, we have to have that mentality is, I am on this earth to help others through life, not get what I can. Now, does God bless you? Absolutely, he'll bless you. But your purpose is to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. How do I combat this entitlement mentality? Because the root of entitlement is unthankfulness. That's what it is. That's, that's where the root comes from. So I want you to picture something. Okay, you were born... Like this. You were clean. Okay? That's you. About two months into this whole thing, you start screaming because you want to be fed. So little seeds of entitlement, okay, begin to get into your life. You were born clean, and then about six months, okay, it gets worse. And at about 10 years old, okay, you're pretty much full of entitlement. Like, like that's you. And every little ball represents something that you think you deserve. That lives in us. We can't change that. So how do I deal with it? How do I get those little things out of my life? There's a, a word called thankfulness. And this picture represents thankfulness. And when I add thankfulness to my life, okay, what happens? The entitlement rises to the top. Shall I leave it? Okay. So the more thankfulness I put into my life, isn't that cool? I come to church and watch science projects. All right? The more entitlement, and then you have the one that just won't leave. Get in, get in. He's like, I'm hanging on, brother. All right, it's that one, okay? Thankfulness tackles entitlement. The more thankful I am, the less entitlement I will have in my life. Now, you will wake up in the morning, and it's like, here I am again. Whoa. I wish it was that easy. The entitlement's like, no, I shall not return. Uh, that's not how it is. Entitlement lives there. How do I get rid of it? Come on, talk to me. How do I get rid of it? Stay thankful. Stay thankful. I got another one. that just you, You're done. You're done. You're dead to me. They didn't do that for a service. Somebody all needed to hear that. But I got to flick water in church and justify it. Um, so it's fun. Thankfulness gets rid of entitlement. But at least keeps it at bay. doesn't kill it, but it keeps it at bay. Right? It, it lives in me. Unthankfulness can live in me. So how do I battle entitlement? I'm thankful. So number three, I recognize when you are unthankful. How does unthankfulness reveal itself? By complaining by not being happy with what you do have, by having a negative attitude, et cetera, et cetera. You can spot unthankfulness really fast. You can, it's easy. Unthankfulness shows itself really, because most of the time it comes in complaining about stuff. But guys, aren't we blessed, especially in America? We are so blessed. 
You drove here in a heated car, air-conditioned car, whatever you like. You, you drove here in the comfort of something. Not many of y'all had to walk to church today. We, we drove here comfortably. And you might pull up and go, oh, they have a nicer car than me. Well, at least you have a car, right? At least you have a car. You probably don't have their payment either, right? What do you need to do? And number four, you need to call yourself out when you do it. When it reveals itself, call it for what it is. Just call it for what it is. I'm, I'm feeling entitled. Somebody took my spot. Again, it's not my spot. It's a public parking place. They took that spot that I wanted, but that's okay. That's okay. Maybe they needed to get into the store. Maybe, listen, maybe they have irritable bowel syndrome and they needed to get into the store and they were praying for a spot that was close and then oh, God opened up a door and you're like, hey, that's mine. And maybe they ran in and maybe you have no idea what you prevented with your patience. Come on, somebody. The first service thought that was way funnier. Uh, yeah. We don't know what's going on in their life, but why do we think we earn that? Now, let's talk about other people because it's a lot more fun. Let's talk about dealing with it in other people. Now that we're not, we, we can discover, okay, how do I prevent this? So because of this, we are either fighting the entitlement mentality or we are feeding it. That, that's a true statement. We're either fighting it or we're feeding it. Okay? Feeding it means I, I deserve more. Fighting it says, I'm thankful for what I have. I need to be thankful for what I have. How have we raised an entitled generation? There's four things that I see. Okay, I'm sure you could add more, but here's the four things that I see. Number one, we have given people what they should be earning. We have given people what they should be earning. Too many parents have this idea that they don't want their kids to go through what you went through. And I think a normal parent feels that way. I don't want my kid to struggle like I struggled. I don't want my kid to have to be, you know, as responsible as I was because I was forced to work or I was forced to do. Okay, I don't want my kids to have to go through that. But I will tell you what you went through made you. What you went through made you tough. It made you resilient. It made you responsible. It made you who you are because hard things make us who we are. It's not the soft things that make us. It's the hard things that make us. We go to a gym, or maybe you go to a gym, Pastor Stevie goes to a gym, I drive by the gym, it counts, and I can pack stuff out, I hike, but, but, but I, I, don't, I don't go to the gym, I, I just praise Jesus for those that are in the gym, I have my different ministry, all right, uh, again, I can hike mountains because I grew up in that, but, but I, don't, I, I don't just go to the gym, but if you go there expecting it to be easy, you're not going to come out strong. Who wants to go to easy gym? We could probably make a lot of money. Easy gym, where you don't have to work out. Yeah. No, that's not what it is. That's why, as our, as our, our pastors, we, we have to be tough on y'all sometimes. We have to say, guys, this is, this is where we need to be a little stronger. This is where we need to parent a little better, all right? We have to understand that our kids need hard stuff. I, I was at the store the other day, and there's this kid named Daniel. I knew his name was Daniel because they had a name tag that said Daniel. He was, out of, he was a thief and stole Daniel's name tag. But either way, I watched him at Ridley's. He was out there pushing carts. And I don't know how old he is. He's probably late teens. He's out there just pushing carts, and he's working hard. And I watched him when I pulled in, and I went in and got something. I came out, and Daniel's still out there just putting carts away. And I said, hey, Daniel. I got out of my car, and I gave him some cash. I said, Daniel, this is for working. Because you're doing a good job, buddy. And I drove off. And he's like, what? I just got a tip? Yeah, you got a tip. Because you're working hard. And I hope it did something in him. I hope that he realized that somebody recognized hard work. 
that he was willing to go out there and push carts and do what needed to be done. And then I saw him a couple hours later, I went back in town, he was riding his bike back into town. And I thought, man, he's, he's, he rides his bike to work and he works hard. He deserves a tip. So if you all see Daniel at Ridley's working hard, tip him something. And I dare you to tip him more than, than I did. And I'm going to tell you how much it was because then it's going to up the ante a little bit. But man, you help that young man realize that somebody recognizes hard work. Somebody recognizes the willingness to work. Number two, recognize where you are feeding this in your kids or those under your leadership. Oftentimes we think we are helping, but it's just enabling. And it's not your heart or your motive that is wrong. Understand that. It's not your heart that's wrong. It's not your motive that is wrong. What we're looking at okay, is results of your help. I'm not questioning your motive, but entitlement is, not your, entitlement is not your intended result, but it is the result. I don't know of any parent who says, I just want my kid to have a super easy life so they grow up to be lazy and unproductive. Right? There's no parent that I've talked to that ever says that. I, you know, I just want my kid just to have an easy life and, and not do anything for society. No, we all want our kids or those under our charge or our leadership to be productive, to produce something, to make a difference in this world, don't we? we that's what we want. We want our kids to not be lazy. But sometimes we can create a laziness by giving them everything, giving them something they should be earning for themselves, and that is number three. Don't do for others what they should be earning for themselves. Chores, cleanup. If they complain about taking the garbage out, quit feeding them. It's pretty easy. <laughs> Hunger will drive them to take the garbage out. It will. There's got to be consequences for not doing. Okay, and hear me on this. If they don't want to do chores, take your phone away from them, the one that you pay for that they think is theirs. They talk about my iPhone. Set them straight. That is not yours. That is mine. You are borrowing it. And if they, if they make the payment and they're part of your plan, they're only paying a portion of what you're paying on the big end. And then you can play let's make a deal. You guys pay the main part of it and I'll pay you 10 bucks a month and then you can call it your phone. So just set that straight. It is not their phone. So if they don't take the garbage out, say, you know what? Yeah, you don't have to take the garbage out, but you're not going to have a phone. Oh, 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 and you're going to walk to school. Where are you going to walk to? Or are you going to take the bus? If you're taking them to school and maybe they're okay with that, find something that works. I know when my son was, was in high school, he hated, hated, hated getting dropped off in the minivan. He hated it. And we had a nice minivan, man. This thing had TVs that folded down. It had leather seats that were heated. I mean, it was a nice, nice Dodge Grand minivan. I loved it. It got 22 miles a gallon. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about style. I mean, it was, it was but, but he, he would like, he just didn't like it. He just didn't like getting dropped off in the minivan. And I'm like, bro, half of CUNA gets dropped off in minivans. We're in a town full of large families. There's, there's, there's a lot of minivans, but he didn't like it. And, and for some reason, so if, if that's your child, go buy the most beat up minivan you can find and spray paint stuff on it, right? And then drop them off in that. Or better yet, make them drive it. And then, there's, there's ways, right? There's ways to get teenagers to do things, but they should be helping at home. They should not be allowed to, to make a mess in, their, in the house that you own and keep, it, and, and keep it that way. They should be contributing and there should be consequences when they don't. There's no problem with your kids doing chores at home. They should do chores, okay? Again, if they complain, find ways to, to, to make it happen. There's gotta be consequences, okay? 
You could say, okay, you don't have to do it, but again, you'll be without a phone or a ride to school until you figure it out. And you will find that the trash will get taken out. It will. And again, if that doesn't work, you've got bigger issues. Talk to our youth ministry. Uh, they'll help you. <laughs> Number four, let's, 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 let's land this. Don't give in to keeping up. Your kids or other employees that you're, you're over may say, well, other kids have this. What are they saying? It's not fair. And it's not fair attitude. What about today's Bible story, right? And here's this. I should have made this a slide. I didn't, so I'm going to repeat it twice. I think too often we're more concerned about their feelings than we are their maturity. I think too often we are more concerned with people's feelings than their maturity. And we put, the, we put their feelings ahead of growing up. And so we, we, we raise these man-childs, right, where they're 30 and they're still acting like they're 12, which is most of us most of the time, right, guys? Uh, except for the maturity part. And we have this thing is, I don't want my kids to feel, I don't want my kids to feel, you know, your kids need to learn to handle hurt feelings. We have created a culture of softies. Everything offends us these days. Our kids need to be taught to be tough. Now, I'm not talking about bullying. That's a different level. I'm talking about everyday life. Our world just gets offended so easy. And it's like we can't even say truth anymore because it might offend somebody. Everything offends us. We have to tell our kids, listen, you might, you're going to get offended in life, but you've got to be bigger than that. You gotta be bigger than that. Don't, don't, I should say, be careful not to feed the poor me attitude. You kids have the poor me, poor me, the complaint about teachers, that one drives me crazy. There are a few bad apples, okay? But most teachers are not bad. Most teachers are good. They're there with the right motive and the right reason. They love your kids. That's why they put up with it. They, they do that. And, and when I was a kid, if I got in trouble at school, <laughs> Not only did I get in trouble at school, I got whooped when I got home. Yep. It's like, you did what? Oh, you got in trouble. Yo, now you're going to get a spanking because you did something, you know, disobeyed your teacher. You're, you're smarted off your teacher. My parents not one time ever went to the school, all right, to defend my point. You got my little Stanley in trouble? Why did you get him in trouble? Granted, my parents knew me. <laughs> Everything I did deserved it. I, I deserved okay. I does anybody remember the circle on the chalkboard? If you're younger, I want you to picture something. This is what you could do as a teacher. When you got in trouble, they went up to the chalkboard, which was in front. There was none of this, you know, digital screens. It was a chalkboard, and they would draw a circle on the chalkboard. And I would have to stand there with my nose in the circle, like this, in front of the whole class. And, I would, and you'd have to stand there, and it, there was no time limit. It was when you're, when, I'm, when you're done, you're done. Like, there's no ding. And so I would stand there. And I remember one time I erased the circle with my nose. Just erased it. That's what my teachers had to put up with. And then my friend Jeremy got in trouble. He got to stand by me, too. And so we're just standing there with our nose in the chalkboard. And guess, guess what? The school never got sued. The teacher never got sued. The teacher never got talked to by my parents other than thank you for helping us discipline this little demon. <laughs> thank you for helping us parent this kid because we're having a hard time doing it ourselves. Spankings don't seem to be working, but he gets one every day just because. No, I earned every single one except for one that my brother did it. Y'all know that story if you've been here very long. I figured my brother did something. I got in trouble for it, but I figured it made up for all the times that I didn't get caught. Remember those days? Now, I'm not saying we should bring back the chalkboard days Maybe we should use the dry erase circle instead of chalk because, you know, chalk is toxic. It can hurt you. 
make you an unproductive adult when you get bigger, right? Remember those days? Anybody grow up in a school like that? Come on. I, I was like, am I alone in this? Uh, maybe it was a little country school. Our, our principal had a spanking, a spanking paddle. It was a paddle. So you would get paddled at school and you would get paddled at home. It's just a different society. Now, again, if it is a, a, a legit beef you have, if a teacher is doing something immoral, unethical, absolutely, you could talk to them in a respectful way. There are some things that are going on in our world now that I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not good, okay? I'm not saying that everything that teachers do these days is perfect. You understand what I'm saying, right? There are things that even a teacher these days, they can't deal with disrespect and they should be able to. Amen. I'm, I'm like going to put it on the vote, bring back the paddle. And I'm not talking to go canoeing. I'm talking like discipline needs to happen. It needs to happen, right? Be careful not to feed the poor me attitude. So back to the story that's ended. Stay away from the it's not fair attitude the workers had. Let's live a life of thankfulness. Let's live a life to recognize the seed of entitlement and selfishness does live in me. It does. We can't deny that. It lives there. It lives there. It lives there. If we can live a life of unthankfulness, I'm sorry. This is not edited. If we can live a life of thankfulness, okay, to be thankful, it will drive out the entitlement mentality. Now, this may be something you have to do every day. You get up in the morning and you got the little little floaty balls back in your in your life, and you're like, okay, I need to deal with it. I need to deal with it. I need to be thankful. I need to be thankful for what God has blessed me with. And we just want to tell Jesus, thank you for dying for me because that's really all I need is what he did for me, right? Heaven awaits. Everything else is just gravy. Everything else that God blesses me with is gravy. Now, I hope that you take this home and traumatize your children with this message. Let them know what I said. Pastor didn't give us some advice today. We're going to work on it. Catch catch the I deserve thing or the I deserve attitude. Make your kids do chores. Okay, you are a family. You can't do everything for them and have them turn out normal, productive human beings. You can help. Show them how. But there's children, right? When a baby messes their pants, right? There's, there's a training thing there, right? They, you, you, they mess their pants, you clean it up, and then you put in a diaper. There's an age, right? There's an age that if they're yelling from the bathroom, Mom, I'm done. <laughs> you waited too long to teach them, right? And I lowered my voice on purpose, because you do, right? I wanted to leave you on a good thought. Uh, as you, don't do for them what they should be doing for themselves. Train them, teach them. But we need to grow productive people. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, hey, let me, let me pray with you. Like I said earlier, if you're here today, and maybe you were the one that I felt God was talking to, because we're going to have a baptism in just a moment. But if you need to give your life to Jesus, if there's... If you've just... You're like, life is pointless to me. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's why it feels pointless. That's why it feels purposeless. Like there's no purpose. It's because maybe you haven't put God first in your life or God in your life at all. There's a God that loves you, a God that wants to forgive you. And, he, and he's asking today, will you accept what I, what I did for you? I gave you my son Jesus that died for you. And that's the only way you can spend eternity with me in heaven. That's what God wants. He wants you to be forgiven. He does. Do you need that? And if you do, I'm going to ask you to just me and you, nobody looking around, but if that's me and you, if you just lift your hand up, say, stand up to me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm not sure about the whole church thing, but I, I believe that, that I am a sinner, that I need a Savior. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? You can't get to heaven without it. Okay, all right, I don't see any hands. All right, look up at me. 
Are you ready to go home? If God called you home today, you would be ready. Amen? You'd be ready. All right.